This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And if I can add two or three more to it, then we've got a second team as good as that first team we had out there today. And then it's game on in terms of inside the building, game on. You have to earn your shirt. I think the last few weeks people have played regardless. None of you know whether I fancy these players or not because they're the players I've got. The spending power they've had is, is, is big. And probably in the last 12 months, he spent more than what Stephen spent in three and a half years. Yeah, obviously, I know how important the game is uh, when you play it against the other mob. Moyji steps for a marker, finds a pocket space, ball in the box and Celtic capitalise. It all starts with Moy finding that wee pocket space, the ball's in the net from Kyogo, Rangers don't defend the ball into the box particularly well, and with just two minutes of regulation time remaining of the first half at Hamden, it's Celtic who get the opening goal here, and Kyogo on target, it's Rangers nil, Celtic 1. This is Lusitati. 2 0. Again, Moy impacting on the game, feeds it wide to Hitati. He just delivers across the face, and from the same range as the first goal, there's Kyogo to just pop it into the net to double Celtic's advantage. It's a big day for Kyogo, 24 for the season, and Celtic 2 up. Final whistle does go at Hamden. It's the first taste of defeat for Michael Beale. It's joy for Costa Cobble. Celtic with the League Cup, the first trophy of the season. Celtic fans celebrate frustration for Rangers. Oh, 
Hello and welcome to GigPod, the Glasgow is Green podcast, episode 156. The post-League Cup final celebration extravaganza after a sensational 2-1-1 over Rangers yesterday, a great day. And here to discuss that great victory in depth, first of all, Stevie. Hello, Stevie. Hello. And we've got Spunkphone here as well. Hello, Spunkphone. Hello, John. Hello, Stevie. Hope we're all doing brilliant. Hope all the listeners had a, a cracking day yesterday as well. Eager to pick the bones of what was a, a fantastic day for Celtic yesterday at Hamden. So, pleasure to be here. The first big question is, do either of you have stinking hangovers? Stevie, you go first. Believe it or not, no, I don't. I uh, called it at a fairly sensible time last night, about 10 o'clock or something, with the rest of the guys, including yourself, John. And uh, Spunk Phone, are you hungover? I know you watched the game in the pub. I'm not actually, I've managed to, to dodge a hangover as well, um, and I think you did likewise, John, so that makes three of us, we're all fighting fit, match fit for uh, this podcast extravaganza, but um, fortunately enough, as I say, I managed to, to dodge a hangover the day, which was a, a nice touch on top of a, a lovely day yesterday. Yeah, we are, we are three heroes. Right, so let's talk about the game, and we'll start with a team that was selected by Ange from last week's game against Aberdeen. As I think everybody expected, Kyogo came in for O. And the big decision that Ange made, whether to start Matt O'Reilly or Aaron Moy, it went for Aaron Moy, who came back from his injury. So it was a team we pretty much all expected to start. Spunkphone, I'll ask you, were you surprised at all with a decision to start Moy, or was that what you expected to happen? Yeah, I wasn't really surprised at all. I have to say, actually, I wasn't overly nervous before kickoff yesterday and then the team obviously came out an hour and 15 before. I saw it was basically the exact team that I would have picked and I said on here last last um, week that I would have picked on the preview. So then the nerves set in, to be honest, because I thought, well, if Andrew's doing what I thought he should have done, then he's probably going to be wrong. <laughs> but fortunately, that wasn't the case. Yeah, I, I thought it would be more in there. And I know we had a wee debate on here about a bad or Jota as well, but uh, again... Thought he would go with Jota. Um, so no real surprises there at all. Right, and Stevie, as you were the only one who is at the game, you were at the game with an unnamed person who works for an unnamed football club. What was the, I know you like to talk about this, what was the atmosphere like in the build-up to the game, heading to Hamden, etc., etc.? What was that like? Honestly, it was actually a good laugh before the game. Um, went for pints with this unnamed individual. Hamish as well was there in attendance, and Lewis too. Um, so it was a four of us. And Alex came up to join us, so I we all went for pints at Bar 91. And wait for this one, John. For the first time in like 15 years or something, I got a bus. I got a bus for the town to Hamden because we thought, well, going on a train to Mount Florida was a dumb move because that was like the Rangers end. So we just had to get a bus and I had to get handheld, if you will, how to get a bus from the town to um, Hamden. So that was uh, quite interesting, but we made it. So we got to Asda, right, about 2 o'clock near Hamden, and do you know what was a real surprise, John? Also, there was a lot of Celtic fans all at Asda, like the Rangers fans at their end, they get a Tesco, which doesn't sell drink, and it's tiny. Celtic fans get Asda, it's huge, and there's tons of bevy. And there was loads of Celtic fans boozing in the street, boozing in the Asda car park, and the police were just letting it happen. And this isn't a dig at the police, by the way, I'm not going to go over the top and praise them either, I mean, it's the police after all, but I was really surprised that the police were just letting everybody bevy and just have a good time. And you're like, how can this not happen in Glasgow more often? So, yes, me and this unnamed individual, John, went and get some Coors Light. I know we sent you a photo of it. Your beer of choice, of course. And made the walk to Hamden after that, go there about half two. And 
yeah, it was just after you get past the cues and the barrier system, it was it was just such a nervous energy, I have to say, leading up to that game. As soon as I got in, I was just choking for the teams to come out and for Celtic to kick off because the longer it felt like you were waiting, um, you get more and more nervous going into that. And to sum up the atmosphere, I would say it was a combination of nervousness and uh, excitement leading up to that game. On in a game itself, and as probably many people expected, including Stevie, it was a nervy, cagey first 35 at least minutes with not many chances for both teams. Jota had a shot that was saved from about 30 yards. McGregor made a decent save. Rangers' best chance was a cross from their wonderful Captain Marvellous, which was cleared by Carter Vickers. Brilliant bit of defending. He stopped both Sakala and Malik Tillman having a tap-in. And then, really, we got to grips in the game just before half time with a great chance where a cross was laid on a plate for Kyogo. He headed it over the bar with a bad miss, really. Reminisce his misses in the Champions League. And Stevie, unfortunately, I did text you critical of Kyogo after that miss, did I not? Yes, John, you were uh, vilifying our two goal hero right before the goal that he scored. But I, I mean, to be fair, um, having seen the header back and at the game uh, I did think it was a difficult chance because when you're at it you only get to see it for like that split second and you know you, you don't see who's around and everything but it was a free header I thought you know it was had like um, Goldson or Davies sort of man marking him and he didn't have a lot of space but watching it back um, he should have done better if that was O or something I think that would have been a goal I have to say you know um, Alistair Johnston who I thought was man in match it was some ball that he put in and earlier in the first half I think John you were saying um, about a penalty shot we should have got. It was Alistair Johnson's brilliant ball over the top and Kyogo ran on it. Um, took a great first touch, I think. But then he just miscontrolled it. It wasn't a penalty. I think you don't even think McGregor made any contact. But yeah, um, they were the only two flashpoints I can remember before Kyogo finally made the breakthrough. Yep, uh, just to say, I didn't think it was a penalty, actually. I know some people on social media did, but I didn't. So yes, just after missing that great chance, about two minutes later, Kyogo made up for it. And we took the lead, and it was a typical sort of Ange ball type of goal. Some brilliant interchanges in midfield by Rio Hitati and Aaron Moy. Moy put a great ball onto the wing for Greg Taylor. He put a great cross in, which was miskicked by Dyson, but it went right on a plate to Kyogo. Open goal, six yards out. He wasn't going to miss that. One out of Celtic. Perfect time to score. Spunk phone. What did you make of that goal in the move? It was a a typical Ange ball goal, I'd say. It really was. It was a, a terrific move. Um, I thought, actually, the overall play up to that point was pretty decent. And then when we got into the final third, we were a little bit wasteful. We were trying maybe little flicks, one-twos that weren't coming off. But you knew, obviously, if they just kept going, persevered, there was every chance that they would carve an opening. And, and then, obviously, they did. That ball through to Taylor from Moy was just terrific. He obviously, we'll talk about the one for the second goal where he goes on to play. I'd say an even better ball through to Tati, but that first one through to Taylor was just fantastic. Cross ball into the box. Dyson with the the intentional dummy, we'll call it. Um, and then it obviously goes into the, the path of Kyogo to score a tap-in. But it was a, a typical Ange ball move. I think as well... Um, obviously scored the two goals, but, but for the first goal as well, Kyogo's movement in and around the box yesterday was terrific. It had obviously that chance for the header before where, let's face it, I think we, we all accept he should at the very least have hit the target and probably should have scored, but his runs in behind, he was just terrorising their centre-half yesterday and, and he'd done it again for the goal and 
you know, it, we'll sit there and call it a tapping. I just did as well. But it's his movement that obviously makes it. And it was just phenomenal again yesterday. Yeah, it was a brilliant goal. It was great movement by Kyogo. He really did just give the Rangers defence fits all game. He was excellent, I thought. Really made up for that miss. And that's a mark of a good striker. When you miss a chance like he did, and he scores a minute later, shows it didn't affect his confidence. So half time, one out to Celtic, and unfortunately, because uh, me and Spunkphone watched it on TV, we missed what was apparently a great half time atmosphere. Was sigging up plenty, and the fans going ballistic. Stevie, tell us about the half time singing, etc., because apparently it was fantastic. And on TV, I think we got about thirty seconds in it. Shout out to uh, Captain Legend, the runner-up extraordinaire, Tavernier, for his role in it again, because I just think he could have made more of an effort to shut down that cross, but he didn't, and uh, his laziness was our gain, so thanks to Tav for that, a real Hall of Fame legend, John. Uh, the atmosphere at half-time was just incredible, you know, when we scored the goal, it was just that Celtic Glasgow singing for like 10 minutes straight, and you know, I've, I've complained about Hamden. A lot of the fans that go to all the games actually didn't even get a ticket for it yesterday. Usually you've got a lot of like corporates there that essentially just want to go and take photos and you're always surrounded by a couple of balloons. But um, I've got no complaints about anyone around us yesterday in the South Stand. Everybody was up for it. The Celtic fans were all up for it, John. And um, as soon as we made it 1-0 and Nick Walsh blues whistle for half time, the fans were just going absolutely nuts. Like fireworks and all that organ off as well and you'd like, Pyro and stuff at halftime and just non-stop singing. It really was fantastic and I think the players would have got such a buzz going back into the dressing room at halftime hearing that and you know just before they came back out as well the singing all started back up too so as I as said time and time again Hamden as much as we've had a lot of success there it can be a miserable fan experience and if you are behind the goal it ain't the greatest because I know that um, Hamish and Lewis and Alex when they were there yesterday they didn't see certain flashpoints that I saw very clearly, just cause of the view. But yeah, despite all my criticisms of Hamden and everything, every, every fan that I, round about me and every fan that I saw going into the game was massively up for it. People were right up for it, um, just wanting to back the team. And I'm sure that when you were watching on TV, it probably sounded very loud as well. It did show you the great Celtic fan, Rod Stewart, on TV, and Spunkphone's hero, Alan Brazil, the TalkSport legend. Two great Celtic fans. So maybe there was a few day drippers. So the second half, first real chance, the second half went to Rangers and it was a shot by Ryan Kane off the post in fashion Sakala, who had, of course, said that Rangers were better than Celtic. This last week before the game, missed a sitter. It looked easier for him to score, but he hit it into the side netting. So maybe he's just not a very good player. Just the Rangers are not a very good team. So not long after that, we took advantage Second goal for Celtic. Another brilliant Ange ball type of goal. First of all, it started with Carl Starfield. We need to give a shout out to him. He intercepted a ball in midfield that was going to, I think, Ryan Kent. Great play with Starfield. He ended up giving it to McGregor. And then some great passing again between Moy and Hitati. Hitati's crossing into the box. And there, from close range again, was Kyogo. His second goal of the game. Another brilliant goal. And Spunkford, I know you wanted to talk about the Aaron Moy pass in particular to Hitati. Go ahead and tell us what you thought of that goal. Carl Starfelt, again, just to, to mention him, I know we'll probably come back on him at some point, but I do think yesterday that was his best game in a Celtic jersey. He was absolutely outstanding from start to finish. Makes, obviously, that interception. You've then got Carl McGregor driving his on from midfield, as he did 
all afternoon. Again, phenomenal. Easily one of his best games in a Celtic jersey as well. Adam Moy, I'm running out of words to describe him. I, I know we've kind of went over this again and again after the, the World Cup break, but he's just been phenomenal. Um, chipping him with, with goals, assists, two pre-assists yesterday is the the Statos would say, but that pass through Hitati is just ridiculous. And then, you know, Hitati's got the composure to just roll it across. Keogh goes there again, tap in, but it's down to his movement. Um, and he actually does really well to finish that one off as well because he's, you know, the slide It's maybe a little bit behind him, um, but it's a, a brilliant finish again and a brilliant move all round. So, plaudits to, to everyone involved in that move there. As you say, a real Ange ball goal. It was a, a really, really fantastic goal. I'll get your thoughts now, Stevie, because you didn't, I don't see much about the first goal. What were your thoughts in that goal? How did the fans celebrate that goal to put us two up at Hamden? Again, it was just relief and it came from that miss from Sakala. And you're thinking at that point, you know, are Rangers going to get a boost from that because they created a real clear-cut opportunity? Did he maybe even put us under more pressure after that. There was just wee niggling thoughts in the back of your head and then got a grip it in midfield and that's what the game was won really. I have to say that the see the interchange with McGregor, Moy and Hitati, I don't think McGregor is getting enough credit. I do agree with you on Starfelt. It was a great guy, James Tavernier again, who's lazy clearance. Um, was intercepted by Starfelt and he had a brilliant game. As we've always said in the pod, John, in the air, Starfelt is really commanding and he's really dominant and that's all Rangers did yesterday I was expecting them to try and play the ball around him um, on the deck but they just kept lumping it in there and it was just so easy for the big man the way that McGregor took out four players to feed Moy was quite reminiscent of the way that he took out like four players at Ibrox for Rogic's equaliser two last season I remember thinking that directly at the game too because I saw it all happening they all just charged for McGregor because um, I know John you said that when he's got the ball always two Rangers players seem to tub up on him like four of them went for him and that, as Punk Phone says, that ball with Moy was just ridiculous. It was an outstanding pass. Such a simple pass, but you had to get the timing of it right. And Hitati's run was different class as well. And the finish was great. And at that point, the 2 now I know there's still a lot of football to be played. But it was so important, wasn't it? Because when you saw that Rangers got that goal back, I know they always say how that cliche 2-0 is a dangerous scoreline. I hate it being said all the time because it's not if you've got the right players and you've got the right manager to see that game out, you can do it professionally. But certainly at that point, you, you weren't sure what way the game was going to go. Were we going to go and get a third or a fourth? But in the back of my mind, I did say to the person I was at the game with that all it takes is a, a set piece or, yes, a penalty for them. And they're right back in it. And they did get a set piece and they got a go. I know you're going to talk about that in a second, John. But it's just weird because I, as soon as they got it, I turned round and I said, they're probably going to score here. And uh, they did. Yes, we'll talk about that now. Then we'll talk about your reaction to the goal as well. Yep, so we were 2-0 up in 56 minutes, and I thought, well, we'll not do anything stupid now, but what we need to make sure we don't do is give Rangers any free kicks near the penalty box in that vicinity, because they're so good usually for that area. I mean, that's where most of their goals come for set pieces. And of course we did, 64th minute, it was a handball by Alistair Johnston, it was a handball really, free kick to Rangers, and unfortunately Morelos scored from close range, I personally thought maybe Joe Hart could have done a bit better and Aaron Moy as well. I think it was a probably our only poor bit of defending the entire game. The rest of the game, 99% of it were solid. And as you said, that gave Rangers a real boost. Spunk phone, what were your thoughts on that? And more, most importantly, did you realistically think the Rangers were going to come back and equalise when they scored? Because 
our esteemed leader, Stevie, did. What, what, what's your taking the goal and what were your thoughts after they got that goal? Were you immediately in a panic? I don't know about whether or not I thought it was realistic that they would get back into the game, but as often as the case with these derbies, the nerves did take over. Um, and I did start to fear the worst, to be honest. I think they had 26, 27 minutes, something like that, of, of play still. So, to be honest, I was pretty fearful after that. But um, I'm, I'm in the kind of same boat as you, John. I did think it was a bit of a poor goal for us to lose. Alistair Johnson was pretty much faultless um, all afternoon. He had an outstanding game against them again, you know, following on from the great debut performance at Ibrox. And he was just unfortunate. It was a handball. Adam Moy then, after the, the cross into the, the area, just sort of gets caught underneath it. It's a, a, a difficult one for Hart because it's at such close range, but I understand where you're coming from. The way it looks, watching it back, it's as if he, he probably should get more of a bit of contact on it to make a save. But I just think, obviously, in the moment, they're trying to react to the fact that I don't think anyone anticipated it would end up at Morelos' feet. That's why it's ended up in the, the back of the net. But uh, I think really the, the major error for the goal was how Moy got caught underneath the ball. But look, after the, the two passes he played into to Taylor um, and Hitati as well, you know, I'm not going to go in too hard on him. But I, I did think it was a bit of a poor goal for us to lose. And we'd highlighted before it as well that they were going to the a real threat for set pieces. They were occasionally from corners, although I felt we dealt with them pretty well on the whole. But yeah, as I say, that that for me was a bit of a poor goal for us to lose. And naturally, I was fearful we would get back into the game after that. But credit was credit's due to the players. They, they managed to see the game out from, from that moment. Aye, I mean, the thing you want to stop Rangers doing is getting either set pieces or a, like free kicks, penalties, which they nearly always get, like free kicks in around the penalty box, or chances to put in cross balls because that's how they've done so well in Europe last year the constant cross balls they put in few teams could have coped with now Stevie your text to me yesterday that it was definitely going to go uh, penalty kicks etc etc do you regret those texts because they really were ridiculous you deservedly were told to shut up by me and you hilariously responded you shut up so do you regret that heat of the moment text you said to me that the game was definitely going to be two each and go to penalties I don't because everyone round about me was mega stressed and nervous as well. And I just felt that when they scored that and their fans for the next 5-10 minutes were just making some amount of noise, I thought they were going to feed off it. And I just felt that it was like, I seen that semi-final last season. You know, we were in the ascendancy, we went 1-0 up. And then, okay, granted Scott Arfield scored an equaliser and Morello scored to make it 2-1. But I just felt in the back of my mind that they're going to get another double here. And... You know, they had a couple of half chances as well after that. I don't regret it, no, because I think when I'm at the game as well, um, it's certainly these days against Rangers, the older I get, I'm a nervous wreck, John, and that is just how I'm watching these matches. I mean, if it was at Celtic Park, for example, I'm a, a lot more uh, reserved and calm while still being a maniac, yes. And I've watched games with you in the pub when it's at Ibrox and you've seen what I'm like there. But I think just due to the, the occasion, you know, I think I was playing the occasion, whereas the players were the players were professional and they did their job. And the manager made the right subs to counter that goal, which I'm sure you'll come on to in a wee second. But for myself, it was just you know it was a grand occasion, and the thought of them getting a second, the thought of it going to extra time, or the thought of them just getting that adrenaline that we've seen before with a stranger side. It was in Europe; they just got a burst of energy out of nowhere after they looked dead in their feet, and I, and I just felt that they could have. Gain from that against us, so no, I don't regret anything. I, I'm happy to put my hands up and say there was no need for me, and then to panic because this Celtic team 
are just so resilient and a Celtic team know how to see games out domestically. I should have probably had that in my head during it, but these matches are just so chaotic. Rational thoughts go out the window, and in my opinion, if you're a football fan and you're caught up in these games, it's just part and parcel of this fixture. You're allowed it, in my opinion. Okay, I'll let you away with it, because you were there. And I think the only time I was really concerned was when they got that free kick about 30 yards out after Greg Taylor gave the ball away, I think to Cantwell, and ended up getting a yellow card. And I thought, oh, no, they're good at free kicks. They could get this equaliser. But thankfully, the ball hit off the wall and just sort of spun over the bar and they made nothing of the, the resulting corner. So we better talk about the substitutes here. And I know, Stevie, you want to talk about them because you were raving about them yesterday. But I'll get Spunk Phone watching them first. Spunk Phone, were you surprised that as soon as Rangers scored, we still went through with the subs? We took off Jota and Moy and we brought on Abada and O'Reilly. Then towards the end, we brought on O for Kyogo, Awata for Hatati, and then Haxa Banovic for Dyson. Were you surprised that we made the changes right after Rangers scored? Because I think that was always the plan, because like, it was like 65th minute and that's when we usually make them. Were you surprised that we'd done that or did you think... Well, Ange won't change from the path. That's what he always does. And, of course, the subs were brilliant in the end. But what did you make of making the subs right after Rangers scored? Um, I wasn't terribly surprised that we still went ahead with it, to, to be honest. I think they made a, was it a triple change as well, either right after the goal or, or maybe a minute or so later and basically changed their entire midfield. So it was at that stage of the game where... Uh, you know, we know that Ange tends to make two or three substitutes around the hour mark. Um, I did think Moy was starting to look a wee bit leggy by that stage. Jota, although he did show some great skill at points in the first half and had one or two runs in behind as well, was maybe just missing that wee bit of cutting edge as well. So I had no problem with Abada being introduced either. And and I thought, to be fair, all of them played fairly well when, when they came on. That's including O, um, Iwata and Haxabanovic as well. Um, I thought they all made a, a positive impact. O'Reilly... When he got on the ball in midfield, I thought was very calm. Managed to win his two or three good free kicks as well. Um, towards the end of the game, he was pretty prominent with the old time-wasting, but I've got no problem with that at all. Obviously, it's just a case of seeing the game out at that stage. But no, I was impressed with all the substitutes that came off the bench. And as I say, I've, I've kind of came to expect now that we'll make two or three changes around the hour mark. So I wasn't overly surprised. Uh, Stevie, I know you were raving about the subs yesterday, especially Awata, so I'll let you have your say on the subs that really won the game for us. This Ange ball scene, we've always been used to it being primarily just about free-flowing attacking football and sometimes people get the idea that you neglect the defence and it's just all about outscoring the other team. I thought the manager, tactically, was brilliant yesterday. There were the right changes that he made when he brought on you know, Abada um, right, right away. I just felt Barisic was bombing forward a lot of the second half when he scored. When Abada came on, it was almost like psychologically, Barisic was thinking, well, this guy's done me numerous times. Um, and I noticed him being penned back a lot more. Matt O'Reilly came on and composed as a bit in midfield too. But I was raving with O and Iwata when they came on. Haxabanovic played well and he really should have scored. Um, first shot was well saved McGregor. But the second one, he really had to put away. Um, a couple of people around about me, it's 3-1 Celtic in 90 minutes, so they were raging when they didn't score that. But I was raving about O and Iwata. O, as soon as they came on, you know, the one thing Rangers are is they're a physical team and Davies and Goldson, you know, right away, the first thing he did was elbow Davies. And, you know, I'm happy to see that. I'm happy to see one of these players come in and be physical with this Rangers side. We don't see enough of it. And it just laid down a marker, and especially in the last sort of minute of the game, 
Goldson tried to punt uh, the ball up to, I think it was Cantwell, O intercepted it, he took it by Barisic and then he won a throw-in of, of Goldson. And generally, just any time he got the ball, he held it up so well for us. That was like a big game to throw him into as well. And he just didn't look out of place or phased at all. I'm really excited to see what he can do for the rest of the season. Tomoki Iwata. Again, I felt at times we were losing our grip in midfield. They introduced Raskin, who I was surprised didn't start. And Cantwell and Jack too. So you saw that midfield getting more energy. They started playing quicker passes in, in general when they took off like Kamara and Lundstrom. They, they just weren't as uh, passive and all that. They seemed to have had a bit of purpose in midfield. But I felt Awata took about a, maybe three, four minutes to impose himself in the game and he just solidified that midfield. I think he set up one of the chances actually. I think it was for Matt O'Reilly who should have scored against McGregor. Decent save as well, but I think when Awata came on at a time when it was a wee bit chaotic in there and we needed to get a control back, um, he just stepped up. And for a guy that's, again, not really played a lot of football, but he is the J-League player of the year, of course, he just stood out. And what was good about that is the options we've got on the bench now. I mean, if that was you know last season, we remember we were well on top. Then JJ and Taylor went off and Welsh and Ralston had to go in the full-back positions and that's where they won it. This time, you know, we've got... Great players like Adam Moy going off, Rio Hitati, best player in Scotland, they're now going off, and Jota. And we're able to bring on guys like Haxabanovich, O, and Awata. And it's just quality coming off, but more quality coming on. And I'll wrap up finally here, John, by saying that I really hope we see more of Tomoki Iwata. Because I just feel after a performance like that, he deserves more opportunities at Celtic. Um, I thought he was excellent when he came on yesterday and really uh, helped us control that game again. Yeah, but I thought he was brilliant. I thought all the subs did well. It really was the last 10 minutes, especially, I'd say, the, the perfect way to close out a game. I mean, Rangers had a lot of possession while launching high balls in the hour half, but we dealt with it comfortably. I mean, the centre-backs, I thought, were excellent. The full-backs as well. And like the Awata, as you say, like, did very well. McGregor helped as well. And really, it should have been more convincing. The two best chances were O'Reilly, when he was played in, his effort was weak. Made it far too easy for McGregor. And then, as you said earlier, Haxabanovich cleaned through. Just had to, I don't know, maybe slow to, to the, he sort of curve it past McGregor, but he ended up putting it by the post. And that was, I think, the 95th minute. And that really, would have put the seal on it, would have been a great Celtic Cup final goal. But we ended up winning the final whistle blue after 96 minutes. Thank you, Nick Walsh, for adding an extra two when it was only maybe 94, but they explained why in the TV. And as we all predicted, Celtic won 2 1. I don't think any has went for 2 1, did we? I may be mistaken, but I do believe it was myself who'd went with 2 1. Uh, and I think I said it'd be sorted out in 90 minutes as well. I'm sure one of the listeners will, will correct me on it if, uh, if I'm making this up, but I, I do seem to remember that I did go with 2 1. But um, I'm not going to say I told you so, but I told you so. <laughs> well, I did say it'd be 3 1 and would score a third on the break near the end. So. Thank you, Haxa and Matt O'Reilly for making me wrong for once. But no, it was, in a way, a close game, but Celtic thoroughly deserved to win. And what the celebrations I thought were good, uh, what were your highlights of the post-match scenes that you've saw? Stevie, I'll go for you first. Andrew's always said that he likes to distance himself from celebrations and let the players take control, because it's all about them, really. He just oversees everything, but... He wants the fans and the players to have a bond and he just takes a step back. Yesterday when all the players were golden Ange to lift the cup was amazing and 
you know, you had everybody giving it the oh, it seemed to go on for ages before Ange finally took that cup and lifted it in the air. But it was just seeing that. Um, I, I went into the reasons why I was so nervous for this because the thought of Ange walking down the steps, a loser like Michael Beale, was just filling me with dread. He didn't deserve it. There was only one team there yesterday looking to actually play football. And if you look at our two goals, they were done by playing actual football. You know, Rangers get one for a set piece, just shocking all tactics. That's what they do. Celtic play football, and as a result, you know, Ange and those players were the ones that were deserved winners. And that's that was a highlight for me, seeing Ange lift that trophy. But it was a huge build-up. There was a lot of talk before it, mainly from one side, John. The Celtic players and the Celtic manager did very little talking. When they did, they were talking with respect towards their opponents. Um, they weren't derogatory, didn't put anyone down. They just It was a week of complete focus from the team. I think the manager did so well to sort of shield them from any distractions. Um, they focused all week. And when you've seen the way they played, I'm very happy that they did their talking on the pitch and I think that's what winners do into it, John, and that's what Ange does. None of this uh, bravado or bluster in the press doesn't talk through papers. He's a straight shooter. He's the best manager I think we could ever hope to have. That was a real highlight for me, seeing a guy like that lift that up yesterday. It was a tight game, tight final, but it was only one deserved winner, and I was just so happy to see Ange lift that up and everybody going mad for him. It was very good. And in fact, I'll ask Spunkphone really about the game overall. I mean, I think it just showed that... We are, as we all have said all along, and here the best team in Scotland. The league table doesn't lie. And as Steve said, I mean, our goals were our inventive football. Rangers stuck to their usual set piece, long balls. I mean, I know as a cliche, but it, that they play like that, but it works at times. But I think really, the games could have been far more convincing in the end. Could have been three or four one. That I think would have been a maybe a more realistic scoring. I think we were probably worthy a two goal win. And I think, Spunkphone, that it just showed that it's what we've said all along, that Celtic are the best team in Scotland. I said that the game, don't blow my own trumpet, I said that the game in January, Ibrox wouldn't have an impact in this game because I think that that was a, a Celtic team that had like injury issues and we didn't play well. And I knew that if we played well, we'd win, and that's what happened. And I think it just shows that we're by far the best team in Scotland. You know, 100%. Uh, echo the, the sentiment yourself. Echo everything Stevie said there as well. When we got the ball down yesterday and, and played, um, we were calm, composed, particularly throughout the sort of first 60 minutes or so. And as you say, the, the two goals that we scored, we created through playing our way, playing that same inventive football, that same brand of football that we play week in, week out. Um, and, and that's what the manager's persevered with since he's come in the door. And it's, it's what's brought the results as well. You know, three trophies out of four now. You've seen it. And these fixtures, even that last kind of 25 minutes to half an hour when we did almost have to kind of switch styles, if you like. We did go defensive, Rangers went very direct. We were dealing with a lot of aerial balls, um, balls in the box. Similar almost to that kind of 2-1 game at Ibrox last season where, again, that was another one where we could have probably won by you know more goals, two, th- two or three yesterday. Certainly two on that occasion, I remember, with the chances we had towards the end of that game. And it just shows you even when we have to switch, you know, and to a kind of contrasting style, that defensive solidity is there. Um, we've got players who know how to see a game out, and that's what they did yesterday. Um, that's what they did back at Ibrox last season in, uh, in April. And it does just go to show the, 
the gap, if you like, that's there. Um, there's obviously the nine-point gap in the league, as you say. The table doesn't lie, but I think you can see it on the pitch yesterday as well that we are by far and away the best team in Scotland at the moment. Yep, and long may that continue. And and said yesterday that, I mean, we won't focus on the victory for long. I mean, obviously, we as fans will a bit more because it's always good to win a cup and it's even better when you beat Rangers in the final. But, as Anne says, we're batting action soon. We're playing this weekend and it's at our bogey ground, St Mirren. We went there last season. We only went there once. We drew nothing each last December when I think both teams were badly affected by COVID and it was a pretty dire game. We drew nothing each. And as everybody knows, our only league defeat this season was at St Mirren in September where we were truly dire and we lost 2 nothing. But I think this is a very different Celtic team now. This Celtic team have got the bit between their teeth. That Celtic team that day at Paisley, I mean, there was some changes made that shouldn't have been made. We didn't have CCV or Starfield. I think Cal McGregor played in a sort of further forward role, which just didn't work for him at all. And I think that Celtic team now is just completely light years ahead of that team for back in September. This Celtic team knows what to do. They'll know that a win on Sunday... I think would annoy a lot of people because I think some people might be thinking we're going to drop points on Sunday. But if we win, maintain the nine-point lead because Rangers are playing command, I think they'll probably hammer them. I think that will just have one hand in the league title because this is one of the hardest games we've got left this season. I know it's a hard, weird thing to say, St Mirren away, but they are good at home. We'll need a big performance, but I'm confident in this team that we can do it. Do you agree with that, Stephen? I'm actually very confident for it. It's Tough game. I think the team and the manager know that as well. I think the fans do. Going to submit. I think Samirin in general have a very decent home record, and they'll be up for it too because you know they'll still have that confidence that they beat us there before. Why can't they do it again? And then if you look at them in that cup game for seventy-five minutes, they are really in the game against us. So I think it will be a tough one, as we saw yesterday. If the Celtic team have to fight and dig in, they can do that. They can mix it up. So yeah, obviously. Tricky match, but fully confident that this team will get the three points, John. Yep, same here. I think we'll maybe win two or three one. It won't be easy, but I think we'll we'll have enough to get the, the three points before another big week where we've got a double header against Hearts and we'll be talking about that next week. So has anybody got any final words to say about our legendary famous victory yesterday? Anybody got any last words they want to say in the game? I do. I just want to actually point out that uh, John McGinley pointed this out today, uh, just before nine o'clock, but Callum McGregor, our captain, has now been involved in 15 finals as a Celtic player across youth and senior football, and he's picked up a winner's medal every single time, and it's just a testament to how good he has been in that role, I think. John Spunkfoy, I'll probably ask for both your opinions on our captain, because, you know, I, I remember we were at a very important stage in his career, the end of that 2021 season, we were saying when we saw the decline of Scott Brown, McGregor was nowhere near it. He was off it by his standards. And John, we had many a discussion that I think is Cal McGregor going to be a Celtic player much longer? Has he peaked? And I think a lot of credit has to go to Ange Postacoglu for the way he's reinvented him as a footballer. I actually would say Cal McGregor is a far better footballer under Ange than what he ever was under Brendan Rodgers or Neil Lennon before. I know that under Brendan and under Neil Lennon, he scored a lot more goals than he was a real attacking threat, but I think he's just such a more clever footballer. I think when you look at our captain and Callum McGregor, and you look at theirs and James Tavernier, the, the contrast in which one's a serial winner, I honestly think Tavernier is a massive serial loser, and I think it does play a big part. 
and how you know the rest of your season goes when you have a captain like that. I don't know if Spunkphone you'd agree with that, but Cal McGregor has been the right choice for captain for Ange. And honestly, when you look at that winner's hole that he's had at Hamden, the run, it's just incredible, really. It's a testament to him and how good he is. You know, I think that um, statistic of it is, is sort of Ronnie's own in finals is absolutely ridiculous. And I think it was his, his 17th or 18th medal overall for Celtic yesterday, which is, is just phenomenal. Um, I, I do agree with your point as well. I think this is the absolute best version of Callum McGregor we've seen. Although he played you know, a wee bit further forward, got more goals previously under Rodgers, Lennon, whoever it may have been, even Tyler towards the start of his Celtic career when... I remember he, he kind of burst on the scene, didn't he, with those goals. I think it was 3-3 three three in the, the qualifiers um, for the Champions League in 14-15. But I do think this is the absolute best version of him just now. He is a really complete midfield player. I truly did on and off the pitch as well. and Just a, a big congratulations to him and all the players, staff, everyone. Um, it's kind of corny as it sounds these other days that live with you forever um, as Celtic supporters. And we've been very, very lucky over the last decade or so to have so many of them. Um, but that winning feeling, it, it doesn't get any any less of a, a, a good feeling, if you like. Um, seeing Celtic turn up at Hamden and, and walk up those steps, lifting trophy after trophy. We've been very privileged to witness that. So a big congratulations and a big thank you as well to, to all the players who've made that possible over the last decade or so. And that's a perfect way to end it. So... Thank you very much, Spunkphone. Thanks very much, John. And thank you very much, Stevie. Thank you for hosting. You've done well. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yes, and thank you for buying me a pint last night as well. What a hero you are. So that's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to our post-cup final celebrator extravaganza. You know where to find us by now on all the usual podcast platforms. We've been doing the podcast long enough, but you can still leave us five stars and tell us how great we are. Leave us ratings. Tell us how much you enjoyed this post-cup final episode. You can catch Stevie on Twitter and Instagram at GigPod, and he had some good stuff up from yesterday, and there'll be more stuff in the weeks to come. We'll be back after the St. Mirren game, another big game for Celtic. The big games never stop. Just like Celtic never stop, but that's what it's all about when you want to win trophies. You need to keep on pushing, and that's what I'm sure Celtic will do. So, thanks to everybody for listening. We'll speak to you all soon. Good luck to Celtic on Sunday, and hail, hail. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.